0: You are listening to Rank and Vile, a proud member of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever
1: made. And this is Ryan, and this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going pretty good. I'm uh, back at work full time after a very restful vacation, and I forgot how much I don't like working full time. <laughs>
0: Oof! Wait are, are you are you going in to the office for this? No, God,
1: no. It's it's oh, all God. remote, um, but <laughs> I, it's I, I was still a... it's still like. It's been enough months of not working remotely that I forgot how much working remotely sucked and yeah. now I'm working remotely again. You, you almost gave me a goddamn heart attack. Like I thought that you were just sort of
0: like, yeah, you know, sometimes I just uh, for my job where I have to go out and like lick lamp posts
1: and you know, wait <laughs> wait, back to licking y'all. <laughs> back on my bullshit. Did it. We beat COVID. <laughs> Let me tell you though the amount of things I've said like post COVID I'm gonna do X is oh yeah unfortunately a long <laughs> list.
0: I mean that's kind of the thing, right? Like I I feel a sense of rage toward my uh, my neighbors uh, next door who had a party last night a big raucous fucking to do, um, and it was just wild to me because like they're getting they're getting honked on the lawn at like. Eight you know eight o'clock on a Wednesday night, and it's just like, are do none of you fear the fucking reaper? Like you're you're at a party right now. Like I, the thought of being at a party with no mask on right now is as inconceivable to me as like bobbing for knives
1: at a at a party. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know who these fucking you know, maniacs are. I read somewhere it was came across the social the rank of all social media feed. Uh, sorry mm-hmm. if I don't remember who posted it. But there is a think piece about how horror fans are actually the best prepared for a <laughs> pandemic because we're all so paranoid anyway. Oh yeah. I mean that's yeah. well it, it's, I, it's a cool. man who does not believe in ghosts but does not want to step on a on a grave just in case. Turns <laughs> out I also am very happy wearing a mask all the time.
0: I mean, that's the thing with ghosts is like, I, I I don't believe in ghosts except for when I totally do. It's like spooky magic shit where I'm like, I don't believe in any of this except when I absolutely do. And and for me, you know what it is? Uh, I don't have anything to prove if I'm at a house and and, so, and there's like, and someone's like, hey, you know, there's a ghost that if you invoke their name and, and you know, a few times they're going to come out. And I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I don't need to take that chance. I don't believe that that'll happen, but I'm also uh, happy to let the mystery be. You know what I mean? Like I't
1: the guy that gets murked first is the guy that says there's nothing to worry about.
0: Man, you know what though? like that's uh, we uh, that episode uh, of uh, this show where um, Sarah and I did the movie host. To me, like the moral of that movie is don't be that fucking kid at the haunted house who is clowning this experience for the for like the rest of the guys like whatever this isn't even scary and like trying to tweak the monster's nose. Don't be fucking disrespectful to ghosts or else you'll get made into a smoothie. That's (laughs) that's just that's just what it is. Quincy, what uh, what ghoul shit have you been
1: consuming this week? The most ghoulish thing I've been consuming is um, a VHS mixtape that um, our friend Power Dad Five Thousand um, Sal <laughs> sent us on uh, Power Dad Five Thousand on Instagram. Sal sent me a uh, what he has titled Sal's Mega Mix Volume Three, which is a compilation of wrestling matches and also just weird commercials and. Uh, remixes where he's actually synced wrestling to music and stuff. Man. It is very good. It has Brian Dan- Danielson fighting Necro Butcher. Have you ever seen this match?
0: Holy shit. No, but I, honestly, you could tell me anybody, like you could fill in the blank versus Necro Butcher and I'm
1: pretty much on on board with it. Necro Butcher pulls out a fucking piggly wiggly plastic bag and tries to <laughs> murder Brian Danielson. <laughs> Ah, wait, does he like cram it over his head and yank? Or yeah, what? What he's we... just like, he gets up and you're like, okay, he's, you know, he's searching the tank for something else. And he kind of shrugs and go, okay, murder. And then he just strangles. <laughs> and the ref is like, you can't do that. That's not legal. Man, you know what? Imagine,
0: first of all, like it, in deathmatch wrestling, this is always my question. Like, wait, so everything is legal. You can commit, mur- just bring a gun to the ring. It's fine. Second of all, Can you imagine the last thing you see before shuffling off this mortal coil being the Piggly Wiggly logo? (laughs) That's like, it's you eye to eye with the Piggly Wiggly pig right before
1: you go to the pearly gates. What's actually really great is it's not a Falls Count Anywhere match. So the referee is like, guys, this doesn't count. They're like whipping, they're Irish whipping each other into folding chairs. And the ref is like, come on guys, get the ring. You have to, do a pinfall in the ring for this match. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> you,
0: really got a, you, you, you really got a feel for referees. Honestly, this makes me think of there was a wrestling uh, match in Clarksville. Uh, in, in, like, in, near Clarksville, uh, I want to say it was like 2010, and the stipulation w- uh, was a falls count anywhere in a Montgomery County match. <laughs> Which I love the thought of like Irish whipping somebody down Wilma Rudolph Boulevard and they have to run until they crash into something from the laws of wrestling physics and you can just like pin <laughs> them by the O'Charlies. Like that's, that's so yeah.
1: good.
0: That's that's ideal to me. Um the the ghoul shit that uh, I have been consuming this week, um, is that I've been playing through the shadow run video game for SNES. Um <gasps> That game is Quincy, have you played Shadowrun for SNES?
1: It is on my list. That's why I'm like so excited, is because everyone has come to me and said, Quincy, you should play Shadowrun for SNES. See, the thing is, I'm I'm it might be one of the most inhospitable to
0: human life video games I've ever ever played and it is great like it is this 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 here is a game that is fundamentally uninterested in making this experience easy for you the player it's like now what's incredible about it is that it has approximated tabletop role-playing combat rules for a video game that's not even like turn-based combat or anything it's like you, you've, you've. All right, so you, uh, cyberpunk decker man, uh, three thousand. You've found a Beretta pistol on the ground, and oh no, there's an orc coming at you with a gun, and so you move your cursor over to the orc to shoot at him. But the problem is that it randomizes the chance that you will hit him and the damage that you will do. So you are just hammering that button the shoot button over and over again and occasionally a little number will pop up above the guy's head They're like
1: oh boy you did two damage and meanwhile the guy is just fucking murderizing you um it's, my favorite thing about dungeons and dragons are critical misses oh yeah incomprehensible critical misses because yeah it is the thing that makes most people really upset about role-playing systems but it's Mm -hmm. the thing i find delightful about okay you take your bastard sword and you're about to cut an orc warlord in half and Mm -hmm. you instead gently tickle him with a feather (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is i now and this is a a reason
0: why for me dungeons and dragons is not my favorite role-playing system because i there there's so much about it that i feel like it was the first role-playing game and not necessarily the best one and that being said a D twenty system rolling a nat one on something—it's genuinely just the funniest fucking thing in the world. Um, every time, it's it's just great. And so yeah, so Shadowrun and SNES, um, I've you know, if, if it's a if it's a, a cyberpunk game from nineteen ninety three, I feel that it should be inaccessible
1: and weird. And <laughs> all cyberpunk should be inaccessible and weird. Or. <laughs> is inaccessible and weird speaking of which um i
0: the issue of fireside magazine that i'm i'm editing for spring 2021 um which is based around like body horror and cyberpunk and sort of weird technology stuff with bodies uh it i'm i kind of just want to edit the most upsetting issue of fireside magazine and just like oversee that and have that as a as a thing on my on my
1: CV, you know, so it's like the final issue of Fireside Magazine. was edited. <laughs> I uh,
0: yeah, it needed to eat itself immediately after that issue. Um, let's so let's jump into the uh, the first movie we're doing, Quincy. Um, who
1: uh, provided this film for us? So we uh, got Uncle Peckerhead uh, from the director himself matthew john lawrence we uh shot him an email and uh they sent us this movie the thing is like there's a movie called uncle Uncle peckerhead i must know more about this absolutely right when i saw that pop up and
0: when you said do you want to review uncle peckerhead for the podcast i said yes before i
1: could stop myself obviously (laughs) i want to do uncle peckerhead I wanted to not like this movie based off the title, but I could not bring myself to dislike it.
0: I mean, the thing is, the thing that I liked about Uncle Peckerhead is that it sounds like a Rob Zombie song. Like Uncle Peckerhead sounds like a a forgot like a, a sort of a goon from from the movie Thirty One or something. <laughs> and it's you know it's it's a, a great fucking title because it got our attention. Um, And the movie is... Quincy, would you describe... Punk rock horror is a thing, I think. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, Definitely punk rock horror is a thing. This is... uh, And this is firmly uh, entrenched in punk rock horror. To a point where... I'm going to say something wild. This is one of the more punk punk rock horror movies I've seen. And it's like true punk aesthetic... The amount of actual band T-shirts and um, independent clothing labels that make cameos in this movie is uh, yeah. astounding. Monsters well, Outside Club is makes several cameos uh, via T-shirt in this movie. Fuck
0: yes! Well, and and for me, I feel like if uh, if it's a punk rock horror movie we've We've seen a lot of bad now, and here's the thing, Quincy, both of us are aging punks, and so yes, yes.
1: we're we're, <laughs> we're bitter fuck. might not know um or they might have I don't know if we've told this story on the show. One of the reasons why Ryan and I are bonded is because <laughs> at a leftover crack show. Ryan's teeth punctured my skull.
0: Yeah, in a very real way, I uh, I bit your skull, which was a fun thing to <laughs> because you got, like, thrown backward into me uh, in the pit, and my mouth was hanging open like a fucking yokel, and my bottom teeth just, like, crunched into the back of your skull like a can opener. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that that was how our friendship started. So it's been it's been great ever since. And now, like, being... Now, the thing is that being an aging punk rocker is that, I mean, like, I'm always braced to watch a movie that's like, uh, yeah, this sort of movie is fucking punk. And then just watching it and going, like, you, you kind of want to swat it out of the air because it's either, you know, insufficiently DIY or insufficiently anti-establishment or, like... Because there, there are a lot of movies that are meant to be punk rock. Like, for example, SLC Punk that are... Completely outside of actual punk rock, and you can tell that they didn't do any fucking research on actual punk. Uh, Uncle Pecker and Uncle Peckerhead is punk rock as fuck. Uh, both in, yeah, like in in terms of aesthetic, in terms of plot, in terms of like filmmaking, like you can tell that so much of this is just like catch as catch can. Like, I don't know. So, so let's get into the plot. Um, Uncle Peckerhead, uh, is about a band, and it's uh, three. Duh, duh, and uh, the the band is uh, two ladies and a dude, and the dude. I love this thing of like dudes of, of guys in punk who have a shaved head and a huge beard, and they're just enormous marshmallows. Like it's
1: very
0: good. it's it's, it's it, it warms my goddamn heart. Like there are so many dudes like this in punk rock who look like. Some big, like, burly Hells Angel guy who will put his, like, cigar out on your forehead. And he just, he wants to spoon, mostly. He wants somebody to spoon him. He wants to, you know, he wants to eat snacks. And this band is a struggling band that is about to embark on their first tour of the United States.
1: And and if the main, like, uh, goal is they're hitting this tour and the local hometown promoter says maybe if you get these these gigs under your belt and i listen to your demo you can open for this really huge band uh and that really huge band also runs a record label so like maybe if you do this you can get signed
0: yeah yeah and so it's it's very much sort of a a get in the fucking van style black flag like you know we're about to go on tour and do this thing uh, and then right out of the gate, uh, does uh, Van gets repossessed because the band is broke. And uh, I, I think um, the the main the main character uh, of uh, Uncle Packerhead, I think this was her van that got repossessed. Uh,
1: I do believe that that is the plot, because, again, she's banging on the, the van and saying, please don't take my van. <laughs>
0: Yeah and so uh, at this point they uh, are putting uh, they're trying to raise funds for a new van and they put a flyer on a guy's van and um a a guy emerges named peckerhead and peckerhead is just uh, how would you describe uncle peckerhead's vibe
1: um dirty gomer pile <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, Gomer Pyle, who's missed a few showers. Like, just a, a good old boy, he's friendly. I mean, he's gruff at first, you know. Like, he he's sort of like, this van's my property, like, don't put flyers on my car. And they're like, sorry. And he's like, wait, are you guys in a band? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, all right, do you need a van? And so pretty much, like, right from Jump Street, uh, this uh, off-putting, weird, uh, good old boy decides to help this gang of scrappy musician upstarts.
1: And um as with all touring band movies, everything goes wrong every single step of the way on this tour.
0: Yeah, it's great. Like the first the first gig they, they do this uh place that's like sort of just this hole in the wall uh bar it's that has like VFW. a
1: VFW. It's it's clearly yeah, yeah. a VFW. Uh and having been to many VFWs in my teen years, it is very accurately a VFW.
0: Oh, yeah. VFWs for me, like, I've I've been to so many fucking wrestling shows at VFWs that, like, you can immediately smell the the VFW smell when you watch the scene. And the promoter is this, I mean, imagine any, like, shitty, small-time club promoter guy who's just, like, uninterested in the band and uninterested in, you know, anything about them. We're sort of like, all right, well, you know, play, can you play a three-hour set for basically nothing? And they're like... Yeah, no, we have, like, 30 minutes worth of material. It's
1: 20 minutes of original, Um, 25 if we do the Misfits cover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, side note here, which Misfits song are they doing that they can milk into five minutes? Like, are we talking, like, Come Back off of Legacy of Brutality? I think that's, like, the only Misfits song I can think of that clears, like, Maybe four Maybe a
1: really half. moody version of Halloween. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you could oh yeah, like the, the alkaline trio cover of Halloween that's just like slow and piano driven. Like yeah. yeah, you could you could have done that. Um but the, so the guy is just a, a, a huge piece of shit and they um they play the show and then the guy's like yeah here's here's your money and it's like what eight dollars or something? It's four dollars. <laughs> Half of the thing I said, that's incredible and the because... band's like,
1: because she gives a dollar to each of the band member, and yeah. then says, "Sorry, peckerhead, you can't have this money. We need it for gas."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the guy, and you know, they're like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do with this?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'm a piece of shit." And you know, he goes inside, and so you know, they're they're pretty, they're feeling pretty downtrodden about the whole thing, and uh, peckerhead is like, "You know what? Sit tight. I'm just, I'm going to duck into the VFW. I'm going to take a piss," and he he disappears into there. Uh, he's gone for a while, and the main character uh, decides to go in and check on him, and she stumbles on Peckerhead. Uh, I would describe him as eating the dog shit out of this dude, just just consuming him. <laughs> yeah, he just he looks like a dog with an ice cream cone. Like he is just really going for it, and obviously she screams. You know what gag I always love is person sees Monster and starts screaming and Monster looks at Person and starts screaming. Well, I will never love this. I will never not love this gag. And so, you know, Uncle Peckerhead is, I, I don't know, I, I keep calling him Uncle Peckerhead because of the movie. I think he's just Peckerhead. Yeah, he is. He's just yeah.
1: regular old uh, pickerhead
0: <laughs> Please, my father is Uncle Peckerhead. Call me Peck. <laughs> um, and he, you know, so they, they come back out and she's like, hey, what the fuck was that about? And he's like,
1: I got got this thing where I turn into a a something. And they're like, okay, what do we do? And he's like, no, really, it's fine. You can just, I'll be your your tour manager and also eat anyone who uh, bothers you. So then the band is like, okay, we have to have a band meeting.
0: (laughs) Which I love the idea of band meetings when you're in a band with like three people embarking on your first tour, which is just like, let's huddle slightly closer in a kitchen or something um, and they talk and you know and Peck is like look uh, I've got this thing it happens for like 10 minutes every night at midnight um I can like make myself scarce around that time and just like lock myself in a room or hang out in the car or something and then I'm good to go I'll get it out of my system I'll be fine no you know no muss no fuss um, peckerhead is a little scamp I really like peckerhead
1: I really like Peckerhead too. Um, I think I I think the best thing is Chet Siegel plays Judy, the lead of the band, and just mm-hmm. her frustration of trying to hold everything together. It with like it's very it's very um, uh, John Malkovich shadow of the vampire energy of like just stop. <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm trying to create, and you're just Monster, you're fucking everything up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the exact vibe. And like Judy, I don't know. I'm like, I'm watching this as a 33 year old. I'm just like, ah, oh, somebody help this kid. Like she's doing her best to make all of this work. Her her bandmates are um, sort of like her her drummer. Like the the drummer of Duh is like a taciturn, cool lady who's just like really deadpan all the time. And the guitar player uh, nice. is max thank you is basically punk rock ralph wiggum
1: i think
0: <laughs> where he's he's just like he's doing his best he, his his brain's his brain is smooth like ivory soap uh and he is he he's helpful
1: he's friendly and just yeah yeah or no actually fuck fuck the gag of this movie though is max is the lead singer and they ne- i'm sorry co-vocalist that's a big point in yeah song. yeah co-vocalist uh, they're like, you have to work on your stage ban- banter, and how terrible his stage banter <laughs> is, is a very good running joke, because every show, they just let him talk, and it's awful. It's great. I Actually, fuck my drag, he's not punk rock Ralph Wiggum, he's punk
0: rock Bobby Hill, I think. <laughs> very strong Bobby Hill energy uh, from, from Max. Um, and so they decide to get the tour underway with uh, Peck as their roadie. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a
1: show called No More Whoppers. Some call it corn, we call it therapy. We're adults with the virility of men. Want to hear us read snack food copy and talk about Japanese chips? Too bad! Join us every month or so on the Greenlight Podcast Network.
0: I'm just going to put put this out there. Duh can really fucking go. Like, it's really good music.
1: Yeah, it's very good soundtrack. It's very good actual... The songs that the band plays are really good and i think that's like a, a thing that sets this above a lot of other punk rock horror movies is mm-hmm. um, i mean green room is a great movie but the oh, a- eight rights aren't a good band no no this I, they they, they <laughs> like, suck it's sad that they're getting terrorized but like unfortunately <laughs> the nazi band is a better band <laughs> than the heroes of the movie
0: I mean, that's I, I I can't believe that. Like, I was about to be like, listen, I'm not saying they deserve to get terrorized by skinheads, but like, maybe practice your set list a little more. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I love that they threw in a cover of Nazi punks. Fuck off! Great, great vibe, great energy. You know, which also, if you're if you're in a punk rock band, you don't necessarily want to play precise, uh, surgically perfect punk rock because that's Horrifying, like that's it's 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 uh, counter to the vibe, you know. Uh, and Duh is like they're good at like they're they're solid enough. You know what it is with punk rock. I think if your drummer sucks, your band sucks.
1: Yeah, but like fortunately, if, Mel, the drummer in this band, played by Ruby McAllister, is awesome.
0: Uh, Mel is rock fucking solid. Like she's such a good drummer, and like the band's energy, it's I. It's an underdog movie where like when the band is really kicking into high gear and performing you just like you pump your fist involuntarily because you're like fuck yeah I love music and it's so it's so good and I I think you're totally right like that's the thing that cuts this movie apart from a lot of other punk rock movies is that the music actually brings the fucking goods and it's not some jagoff making an album on like Garage Band in three minutes.
1: Now let's be clear: Matthew John Lawrence is a genius of a director because also the only other bands besides the ones that you hear like in the van on the tape deck are very terrible bands.
0: <laughs> yeah, and sort of like purposefully and because the, yeah,
1: the joke is that Duh is a really good band, and like they're the. You know, they duh forms a rivalry with a post hardcore, talk-sing.
0: <laughs> now and that, actually, what's inc- all right? So what's incredible about this this rival band? um What
1: are they called? I can't remember what they're called at the time.
0: I'm, I'm fucked if I know. It's like three generic hardcore looking dudes, and then the lead singer who Quincy. I you know what it is? I want to see the genre of music that isn't punk. It's when somebody is a punker in a movie <laughs> where it's like, where, where like when it was in the in the nineteen eighties or whatever, and you'd get like, you know, uh, like the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from nineteen ninety, I think, had a lot of this where it's like, you know, punk, punkers, you know, like it's just some guy rolling up with like, ah, I'm, I'm a punker, and they've got like kind of funny hair and a few piercings, and you could tell that it was like party city thrown together <laughs> uh sub- subculture, and that's the lead singer of the rival band where he's got like. This big, big, big septum piercing, and uh, he—it looks his haircut looks like an accountant's haircut gelled forward into an Airsats mohawk.
1: Yes, it is the the scummiest fauxhawk you've ever seen, and he is the most—he exudes pretension in a way that is yeah. magnifique.
0: <laughs> it's honestly, yeah, he's he's fantastic, and he he keeps trying to like big time, duh. By being just sort of like, yeah, we, the, you know, the promoter told us that we were going on last. So we're going to do, it. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not what he told us. We're we're going on last. And, and, you know, he, he sort of, he's one of those dudes who loves throwing his weight around until the exact moment somebody calls him on his shit. And then he just folds like a card table Um He's, he's very bad. Now there's a scene in this that I love very much, which is, uh, so, um, after, uh, a few, uh, they do a couple of gigs and then they crash with a guy who, I'm just gonna, uh, point this out, bit of a snack. This, he's a, he's a, he's a good looking fella. And the, all the other characters comment on this.
1: Yeah. He's textually hot. Like, it's not just, we think he's hot. Like everyone is like, wow, that guy is the hottest dude uh, we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, he's like he's like diegetically hot. Uh, even even Max is like, wow, I kind of just want to like sniff his hair. Um, he he's got <laughs> kind of a kind me of... of
1: my crush from summer camp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh my, oh sweet baby Max, I love Max. Uh, now there's a scene in here that I love very much, which is that uh, so Judy is super into this dude. They fuck, and the I, I love one of my favorite tropes is like a dude who looks like a sex god who fucks like a dork. Yes. Just like making ridiculous sounds and kind of making these like furtive, like Pomeranian fucking a shoe motions. <laughs> and he, he went, so he, he pulls a bullshit move where he, um, he nuts without telling her that he's gonna do it. And he also, he's not wearing protection. Um, and then so the next day when they're like getting, you know, ready to go and he's like going around to everybody and hugging them, like, oh, it's so great to see you. And she just stops immediately and, like, stops him hugging her, hands him an invoice. He's like, "What? what's that? And she's like, for the morning after pill, you piece of shit. <laughs> and, you know, and they fuck off. Like, I just, I love, that entire interaction is just, like, part of the whole, like, Judy deserves a fucking break motif yeah. of the movie.
1: And And that's what's so great, is by the third act, like, they're starting to get good, but also Peckerhead is killing more and more people. So it's just like, please, can he just be cool long enough to let them (laughs) finally have this big show? And like the tension is like, what's going to happen is, are they going to get away with it? Are they not? Are they going to get to play the show? And that tension is just like, it's such a good underdog movie. It's like the Rudy of punk rock movies. (laughs) Definitely.
0: Like, it's, yeah, it's it's fucking incredible. They, so, I should, now, I, I don't want to get into spoiler territory about Uncle Packerhead, because this is a brand, brand, brand new movie, and I don't want to, it's only you know, six
1: bucks on Amazon. You should go ahead and rent it ten times. You yeah. will not regret spending $60 on this movie.
0: I gotta, I gotta tell you... Uh, I resent that a movie called Uncle Peckerhead gave me actual feelings. Like I was feeling my feelings (laughs) watching, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a great look when it's you sobbing Uncle Peckerhead to yourself or whatever, but it's man, the, the effects are fan fucking tastic. And I would say for the budget of this movie, like it, they really, really shine. Like it is, it is a squishy movie. Um, And I don't know. I feel like there's this movie has so much goddamn heart at the center of it with the relationship between uh, Peckerhead and uh, Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's so, yeah. So suffice it to say, uh, it's it, it's uh, it's a good movie um, where Definitely okay, go
1: see this. It's on video on demand right now.
0: Oh, for sure. Guys, like it, for six dollars on Amazon, what else are you doing right now? Anyway, go watch Uncle Peckerhead. Anytime that your day involves watching a movie called Uncle Peckerhead, it's a good day and a fine time in, in, in isolation. Um, all right, so looking looking at our list.
1: Okay, um, so I'm going to throw out a movie that I could not stop thinking about to compare it to. Okay, um, sure. Green Room.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Green Room is like the the obvious first one, right? Like. Now, Green Room, I feel like I want to give the edge to Green Room A because of Anton Yelchin. Yelchin? Is it Yelkin or Yelchin? Yelchin. Yelchin, yeah. He he's fucking fantastic in the movie and also, you know, Patrick Patrick Stewart or or whatever, like I guess that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, I want to give the edge to that for the uh the actors and also the gore in Green Room. Like I still I still like cringe when I think about the gore in Green Room, which is at number 79.
1: Yes. Um, What what, what do you think? So the next thing that comes close to being punk is at one fifty four, the Ice Slicer Halloween special, and that is a pretty big gap of, like, punk movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, Ice Slicer, I feel like some of them are sort of like, oh, that's a nice, like, you know, sort of funny art house thing, and some of them are like genuinely capital P punk. Um, I feel like I want to give the edge to Uncle Peckerhead. Yeah. Um, At least because, and it's not even I Slicer Halloween special's fault, but I think when you've got so many, uh, which is, you know, it's a collection of shorts and I think it can be hard to have like a cohesive sort of like, it's, it's amazing and a great fucking watch. And all of you should go out and watch it if you haven't, but I don't know. I feel like uh, Uncle Peckerhead hangs together a little bit more. So I want to give the edge to that. Scrolling up, um, we also, okay, okay, Quincy, which is a better movie, Uh, Uncle Peckerhead, or at number 145, we have The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which is a hopping vampire movie.
1: Man, that's really hard because I have a special place. So every time I think of The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, it has one of my favorite anti-racist moments where... Van fucking Helsing is giving a, le- a a college lecture on vampires and his Hong Kong students stand up and go you fucking racist you think that just because we're chinese we believe in hopping vampires this is a goddamn college get out of here. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like he he
0: it's it, that that scene alone what makes me want to give the edge to the legend of the seven golden vampires also because of like how Van Helsing plays it, where he's clearly not used to this, and <laughs> the students are just—he's like, but, but
1: really, no.
0: And, and they're like, don't fucking patronize us, old man. Uh, it's it's amazing. Now scrolling down a little bit, at number one hundred and fifty, we have Candyman, uh, the oh, man. the OG Candyman from nineteen ninety three. I I want to give the edge to that, but I want to put now and tell me tell me if this sounds reasonable. Right below Candyman at number 151 is Gremlins, uh, the classic Joe Dante uh, uh, Christmas horror movie.
1: I want to give the be- cold beads of sweat dropping <laughs> down my face right now, anticipating what you're about to say.
0: Now, actually, what's? What, uh, yeah, all right. No, um, say what you're gonna say. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm just gonna. All right, I want to give the edge to Uncle Peckerhead over Gremlins at number 151, and I'll tell you why. Um, the Now, Gremlins, uh, it's easy to be a saint in paradise, and I feel like if you're Joe Dante at that exact moment in time with that budget, of course you can make a movie like Gremlins. Like, there's, you know, the props department did most of the heavy lifting in Gremlins. Like, the Gremlin puppets fucking rule... Uh, But ultimately, I think I just maybe I didn't see gremlins at a formative enough age like I I saw it much later on. I don't think I have the love of gremlins that so many other people have to make me sort of nostalgic for it. And I think that Uncle Peckerhead does so much with the materials they have on hand that I kind of I respect the shit out of what Uncle Peckerhead does as a movie. What do you think?
1: You know, I'm hearing what you're saying. It is so much more innovative with less that mm-hmm. it it does kind of get just by moxie alone. Now, here's something I'm going to suggest. And number 148 is Abby, which is the black exploitation exorcist movie that's better than Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Ways. Oh, Abby, Abby fucking argue, slaps. Yeah, I would argue that Uncle Peckerhead is more akin to abby even though that would make it go above candy man but i mean your argument mm-hmm. for gremlins is the same argument for Candyman. it's that of course yeah. with this much budget you can make a really good movie
0: yeah and i mean Candyman. you know we can't all have philip glass you know composing a, a perfect s- score for you know our movie now actually so just below abby uh number 149 we have mickey keating's darling um uncle has a better movie than darling
1: Oh, for sure. Because uh, Darling I, like, is very art house. Oh man.
0: <laughs> now that's the thing, Darling. I, I wa- I mean, I, I don't know. I enjoyed Darling, but also dismissive Jo motion for about three quarters of that movie. Like it's there. There are many points at which, and between like art house wank and punk rock horror, I'm gonna go punk rock horror every time. At, at the very least, because of the Friday Night Test.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, this movie is pure Friday night tombstone pizza and and uh, root beer.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. So uh, yeah, coming in at our new number 149, uh, above Mickey Keating's Darling and below Abby from 1974 is Uncle Peckerhead. Also, um, a big shout out to the director for, for, for sending us this movie. Like I had yeah. such a fucking ball watching it.
1: Yeah. So um, again, thank you, uh, Matthew John Lawrence. You are a gentleman and a scholar,
0: <laughs> truly. Um, now, all right. So let's let's dig into some listener requests. Uh, yes. Uh, at uh, we we got a request from uh, Richard Kendall. Hi, Richard, uh, who uh, requested the movie Videodrome. Now, holy it's shit! I love video.
1: We're yeah. yeah
0: doing finally. It. Fucking finally, man. Like Videodrome is one of those movies that I feel like it's been sort of circling the drain of this podcast for I want to say 3 years. Like we reference that movie so much. We we I I think about that movie constantly because it's like everything I love about like sci-fi and horror. Quincy, what what was your when did you see Videodrome for the first time? I saw
1: Videodrome the same weekend that I watched Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, so I watched, like, back-to-back double-feature Cannibal Holocaust and Videodrome. And I tell ah, you Archie what, Archie. Videodrome was not the movie I liked more <laughs> at the time. Oh, at the time, Which of course, course you young. It's an insane thing to say with my human mouth, but <laughs> in that double-feature scenario, I found actual animal dismemberment more palatable than the <laughs> vaginal imagery in Videodrome.
0: Oh, then the, the stomach, then James Woods stomach vagina. That's man. So what you, so, so doing a double feature of cannibal Holocaust and Videodrome, you had uh, one movie, which was a treatise on uh, why do we watch things that are horrifying and brutal? What is it in the human psyche that makes us want to flood our brains and our systems with, uh, the worst possible things we can devise to put on celluloid, and then the other movie is just that. Like it, <laughs> is, it is the fucking fulfillment, like of just hey, do you want to watch a giant turtle get fucking gutted on camera? Like, man, that is that right there is a double feature that you watch that, and then you take a nap for sixteen hours. It
1: was a choice,
0: it, uh, certainly a choice. So, Videodrome. Uh, David Cronenberg, uh, 1983. uh, Wait, actually, I don't want to sound like a dipshit. Let me look up a year. There we go. Yeah. So Videodrome uh, by David Cronenberg uh, from 1983. This movie, um, it's everything David Cronenberg tries to do with horror, right? Like it's um, technology and sort of uh, technology being an extension of the body and the inevitability that because it's technology comes from us, it should it will come home to roost in our bodies. Um, this movie is so great. It makes me want to watch James Woods in a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you wouldn't normally think like, yeah, James Woods movie. And, and I think what's worth noting is, frankly, this is the only James Woods movie that comes to mind when I think of him.
0: See, that's that's funny. Like normally when I think of James Woods, I think uh, immediately of two things. One, um, John Carpenter's vampires, which I saw as a, a, a young dipshit and had on a DVD uh, back in the day. And then the, the, the immediate one is Hades from Hercules. Oh, yeah, like sure. <laughs> that. Listen, Hades from Hercules has been very, very good to to James Woods. Um but so he plays a uh, a public uh, access uh, programmer named uh, Max Ren, and Max Ren, much like uh, the actor playing him, is a huge piece of shit. Um, Max is he he stumbles upon uh, now he's looking for the next big thing that's going to like really blow people's skirts up um, in terms of just like violence and sex and lurid lurid uh, material on TV, and then he finds it, which. He finds it when he uh, sees a thing called Videodrome, which is like straight up torture with no through line and nothing else to recommend it. It's just it's super torture that he finds on TV on like this uh, pirate station that uh, one of his employees finds like, hey, would you look at this? I stumbled upon a snuff film ah? and, you know, shows him that. Uh, and then it gets weirder.
1: That's putting it very lightly. Hey folks, it's Asif Khan, CEO and editor in chief over at Shacknews.com. Give a listen to our nine to five Elon podcast about Tesla and electric vehicles and all sorts of cool stuff over there on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Um, <laughs> Video, the plot of Videodrome is weirder than the true life fact that James Woods was on an episode of iCarly.
0: What? I'm sorry, that's.
1: <laughs> Why is that the most horrifying detail? What? what he, when was he on? He was on iCarly. I mean, the obvious answer is he was on iCarly when iCarly was on the air. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's You can't be like, why why just the other day, James Woods? I don't know what kind of a question that was.
1: <laughs> no, I think he it's was the- security guard number two, uh, and he was uncredited. <laughs> so, so you know, what? for the real Woods heads out there, he, he's doing <laughs> it for the fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, you know, just he does he does the work. He doesn't ask to be recognized for it. You know, that's the the, the mark of the working actor. Um, now, James Woods uh, is in this movie opposite uh, Debbie Harry. Uh, Blondie is in this movie and she is fucking fantastic. Uh, she plays Nikki Brand, who is a radio show host who exists in a constant state of sexual excitement. Um, what this translates to roughly on the screen is that she needs she's. It's like her whole body is a wound that she can't stop picking at. Yes, like she is so into sensation and so into pain, and she kind of decides, like, you know what? That that their videodrome, uh, it looks like a good time. It looks like a fun time for me to have, and I'm gonna go do it. And what you and uh, eventually find out, so Max Wren uh, has been manipulated this whole time by uh, a shadowy sort of either organization or guy who is trying to uh, get everybody to watch Videodrome so that society crashes, basically. Because it's, it's like this puritanical organization that's like, you're all a bunch of fucking sickos and perverts who want to watch horror movies, and we need to basically do a hard reboot by exposing everybody to this. What this translates to is that as, as the more Max Ren watches Videodrome, the more it starts to mutate his body, i.e. a stomach vagina that he puts a gun in, and uh, he makes up with a TV screen that grows a mouth. Just all, all manner
1: of shenanigans. I feel like
0: so much of this movie is just, like, an excuse for cool visuals.
1: I mean, yeah. Let's, let's be real. It's just, like, look at these cool things I can do uh, in this film. This is the same director that had a monster that looked like a turd in Shivers.
0: Yeah, I mean so much of the horror of Videodrome works for me because like what you now what you want to have is you want to have a lot of people making really big pronouncements over the top of weird shit happening to the body right so you've got a character in Videodrome named uh, uh, Brian Oblivion uh, who <laughs> and, well, sure sure, David yeah Brian Oblivion and he there are so many dope fucking lines in this movie uh, like Brian Oblivion saying and I'm doing I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably misquoting this, uh, but he says, you know, this thing about how uh, the television is the retina of the mind's eye and everything it watches, it processes as raw information. Therefore, uh, television is reality and reality is less than television. That's the dopest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like it's that's very good. It's so good. And if you get, you know, like nobody really talks to each. It's like a David Mamet movie where, like, nobody is talking to each other in this movie. Everybody is kind of talking at 90-degree angles around each other. Um, And so uh, as the movie progresses, uh, long story short, Max, his hand grows a meat gun, and he kills a guy who explodes into tumors. And uh, then, you know, that's, that's pretty much a lot of wild bullshit happens. I feel like trying to describe the plot of Videodrome, like, we're kind of tap dancing about architecture a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's more of a visual experience than a a straightforward um, narrative film.
0: Yeah, for sure. But it's also, um, I feel like I'm such a a sucker for Cronenberg generally that I don't need the plot of Videodrome to be a well-oiled machine. You know, like it, it gives me the exact thing that I want from it. I do also think there's a thing here. Tell me if I'm wrong. David Cronenberg protagonists all
1: kind of look like David Cronenberg. You know, now that you say it, I can't unsee it.
0: Yeah. Like you think of, because... You think of <laughs> yeah, because you think of Jeff Goldblum right. or, or the guy from Scanners or uh, Jeremy Irons. And it's, yeah, he he likes sort of uh, interesting looking skinny white guys to, to be sort of his cipher for the movies. This movie, I feel like trying to describe it as a good movie or a bad movie kind of misses the point of the movie. I think you're right. So with that being said, <laughs> we have to put We're... it on this list. All right. Now it comes the part where we figure out which movies it's better and worse than. Which is so, the best Cronenberg? Well, I mean, for me, I, ah, I want to say the best Cronenberg is Dead Ringers. Okay. Um, so that's
1: 143.
0: Yeah, I really, really love Dead Ringers, but I also want to say The Fly because I really love The Fly. Now, if I'm if I'm being a prick about it, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's it's Existenz. I think that was his best movie, just because it's a lot of wild late '90s bullshit. Uh, But so, Dead Ringers is number one forty three, and I think The
1: Fly is longer than that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I think Videodrome isn't as good as Dead Ringers, at least because Dead Ringers tells us a, a, a whole story like a person might tell um and videodrome is sort of it's not interested in that really it, it's not trying to do the same thing it's david cronenberg going oh boy the canadian government gives me money to make movies and then giving james woods a stomach vagina
1: now, um i'm gonna throw out a movie that is very much a spiritual successor to videodrome mm-hmm. and i want you to tell me if the student has become the master,
0: or if it's
1: just failing. Uh, The Untamed, number 156. An alien book monster falls to Earth, and it's a family drama where everyone is sneaking off to have sex with the same alien. It's Eugene O'Neill's long day's journey into night, (laughs) except it's not heroin that the mother is sneaking into the attic to take. It's a fuck alien.
0: Listen, when you come back from sea and you're of a nervous disposition, nothing will put you right like fucking an alien whose body was not meant to fuck humans.
1: Everyone should watch The Untamed. Every day of their life. Every day of their lives. And that's the thing is like watching. um, You know, that's a really wild statement. And I thought uh, you should walk that back. I'm not gonna. (laughs) Fight me, internet. you, You stand by
0: that shit. Honestly, that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is that when I look at the list and I'm reminded of how much I love a movie on this list when we're talking about other movies like this is Quincy. We live in hell. This is this is the hell we've chosen is. Yeah, we're so. Okay. All right. So looking at the list, I think The Untamed is not as good as as Videodrome. I think I want to give the edge to Videodrome, but I don't know if that's because it's actually a better movie or just because I've seen it more times and I was maybe exposed to it at a, a, a formative age. Quincy, what do you think? The Untamed or Videodrome?
1: I think Videodrome, um, just for sheer visual um, effects... Because uh, that's it's it's the untamed is great, but it relies very heavily on CG in a way yeah. that um, video drum just blows it out of the water. Now, here's yeah. what I'm gonna say is my hard line: is 151 is Candyman. Mm-hmm. I think Candyman is all around a better film than video <laughs> I gotta agree.
0: And and the thing about Video Drum also is that uh Candyman I think uh brings the goods uh on a narrative level in a way that Videodrome, like there 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 are so many parts of Video Drum that are very clearly like David Cronenberg writing an episode of Black Mirror where it's him being like, here's a clinic to to help the you know, to help uh, the mentally ill, but it's just like TV therapy where it's like oh we believe that the cathode ray heals the brain and everybody needs to watch TV for you know their own mental health and I'm quietly like oh it do be like that we're on our phones all the time (laughs) sure David yeah I mean I'm staring at a blue screen every moment I'm awake and and it's like yes you nod at that and go yeah the cathode ray but Candyman is so much more visceral to me in a lot of ways and It, I mean, like they're both obviously very like fucking high concept horror movies, but I feel like Candyman has more clarity of purpose with the kind of thing it's doing.
1: I also think Candyman, whether it does it successfully or not, wrestles with generational trauma and the sins of the American South in a way Mm -hmm. that uh, you know Canadian horror just doesn't get. And you know, as an American, I think that that's something that's very important to talk about.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, to me it's very sort of both of them are making comments about, you know, we live in a society, but I think Videodrome and and this isn't even really a critique of Videodrome so much as an observation, but the we the we live in a society stuff from Videodrome is much more abstract, right? Like it's it's sort of in un in things that don't actually fit in everyday life and require a movie to illustrate them where Candyman dealing with like not only you know the the fallout of slavery and racism in America you know from the past it's dealing with like the Cabrini-Green projects in the early 90s and like how you know the how the system has failed the people of Cabrini-Green and I don't know it, it has more it has more to actually say than Videodrome actually has to say I think oh yeah for sure so yeah, so I feel really good about that. So coming in at our new number 152 uh, is Videodrome. Richard, thank you so much for requesting that. I, You know what, I feel like uh, I've just given birth, you know? Like Videodrome is something that we've been meaning to do uh, forever. And now we've, my god, now that we've done it, I don't even know what to
1: do with myself. Well, good night everyone. That's the last <laughs> episode of the podcast.
0: Well yep, yeah, we'll shut the door behind us and put the table and put the chairs on the table. Um yeah, so that's yeah, just and guys uh, I
1: have this D V D copy of Bordello of Blood. We can't
0: do that. <laughs> oh fuck Bordello of Blood with fucking Dennis Miller. Yeah dog. <laughs> oh, Wow, wow, wow. Truly the inferior tales from the crypt movie. By the way. <laughs> oh yes. It's, God, all, it's just, a double I... disc, it's both of them on one D V D. God bless. You know what, though? I, I just... The, the only thing I remember from Bordello of Blood, from having seen it uh, as a, uh, when I was, like, a, a, a kid or whatever, is at the end uh, where Dennis Miller realizes that his... Uh, the, the lady he's interested in the movie at the end, you know, he's, like, You know, it's a vampire movie, and he's hugging her, and then he's like, what's that smell? And she's like, it's sunblock. And
1: he's like, oh, no! And she bites him, and it's like, great. Um, it's the most... Uh, Tales from the Crypt ending of a Tales from the Crypt movie could possibly be. Too. Yeah, it's right. yeah. Where can our listeners uh, financially support our uh, DVD <laughs> habit? Well, tell you what, if
0: you're if you're if you're trying to buy me uh, a trauma uh, DVD, that's like four movies crammed onto the in, into the same box uh, for like five bucks in a bargain bin. You uh, can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash rank and um, We're making all kinds of uh, bonus content that you can get uh, if you uh, throw a couple of bucks our way. Guys, for those of you who support us on Patreon, I, I cannot express enough gratitude for, for you guys. Thank you so much for helping us do what we do.
1: It is unreal that y'all support our shenanigans <laughs> financially. Uh,
0: hashtag blessed. I Guys, I, we love doing this podcast, and we love the community around the podcast. Uh, speaking of which, we have a Discord channel. Um, if uh, anybody uh, wants to talk about some ghoul shit with uh, some like-minded folks, we are on uh, Stitcher. We are on Spotify, I think. We've got a couple of episodes on Spotify now. I didn't okay that, but they just seem to pop up, so I guess that's there now. We are on uh, iTunes, iTunes. Um, if you can think of any uh, movies that you want us to do, like let's say that, uh, you know, you're sending it home and you're like, well, you've done Dead Ringers and Videodrome, but when are you going to get around to doing Crash? Wait, is Crash a horror movie? I've decided it is. Uh, it is. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's people fucking in cars. That's like half of horror. You're going to want to send that request uh, to rankandvilecast at gmail.com, or you're going to want to drop that in our ask box on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash rankandvile. Um, Quincy, what am I what am I what am I forgetting here uh,
1: I also want to point out that we are doing a fundraiser uh, on our big cartel we have our beautiful logo stickers in Minneapolis green and that is supporting reclaim the block so hundred um, percent of proceeds are going to that hell yeah um, but yeah that is
0: about uh, all I've got you anything else
1: stay spooky y'all later folks.